If you have a Bible handy, would you be turning to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin there in just a moment. While you're turning there, allow me to say one more time for today, thank you very much for uh, your kind thoughts and thank you so much for your uh, thoughts and prayers about camp and again all that you all have done for us is uh, trying to head it up and supporting it in different ways. Uh, thank you for your kind words about the lesson this morning and uh, we looking forward to a great week. If you have any questions, you can let us know. Several of you have said you might try to visit one night or afternoon. That would be, be great. We'd love to, to see you and love to have you visit uh, I did hear a rumor that maybe there's going to be less humidity on Tuesday and Wednesday, so maybe that's the prime time uh, to come visit, and then by Thursday and Friday we'll be melting again out there, so uh, maybe you can time it just right, but uh, we appreciate your support and prayers and, and looking forward to a great week. We are going to continue in what's been a word study now for us for a long time, several years now, just taking one particular word a month and thinking about uh, different words from the Bible. We have started a new section. The last section, if you recall, talked about God's word. It talked about inspiration, talked about prophecy and some words along those lines. We're going to begin a section this month and for the next few months entitled Life's Challenges. And you can see a little bit of a preview there of some places that we will go uh, God be willing through some of these words, uh, some things that maybe you have felt before that have been challenging to you, but hopefully uh, we can take some encouragement from studying these words and what the Bible has to say about them. I already promised you this morning that I certainly don't have all the answers for worry, but we can think about what God has told us uh, to think about when it comes to this word, worry. And so this was meant to be a weekly study, and we are on week 40, but we've just been taking it sort of monthly. I'd like to begin with a little illustration that's shared in the material. Uh, the story's told of a young man who was fresh out of business school. He was looking for a job, and he saw an ad in the newspaper for a small business that was needing an accountant. So he answered the ad, and he ended up going in for an interview with this very nervous man, if you will, the, the man that was interviewing him. He was running this small business, and he had started it himself. The man said, I need someone with an accounting degree, but mostly I'm looking for someone to do my worrying for me. So the young man said, excuse me, I don't quite understand. I, I don't see what you're getting at. So the owner said, well, I worry about a lot of things, but I don't want to have to worry about money. Your job will be to take all the money worries off my back. So the young man said, well, okay, I understand. How much does this job pay? And the owner said, I'll start you at $80,000 a year. The young man was kind of taken aback by that. He was blown away, and he said, $80,000 a year? How can such a small business afford a salary like that? And the owner said, well, that's your first worry to deal with. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly the kind of same worries that we go through, but it is interesting to consider all that we worry about. I thought this was a great place to start. It seems odd to write or to study about worry, for humans do not seem to have to be taught to worry, right? I don't know if you're a worrisome person or someone that stays up a lot or how, always have things that are bothering you, but that might be the case. Have you ever noticed before that maybe that affected your family or even in particular your children? See, children don't have to be taught to worry, and sometimes they just pick it up because that's the way life works and our human bodies and our brains work. Other times maybe they see it emulated in front of them all the time. They go to kindergarten and they say, boy, my mom sure is worried all the time. Or my dad sure seems to be worried about these things all the time. We don't have to be taught to worry. 
And think about Matthew chapter 6, verses 26 and 28. In fact, in all of God's creation, it seems humans are the only ones that do worry. Now, I know you may talk to your animals or your dogs or cats, but I'm guessing they don't talk back at least, so you may not know, right, exactly. But doesn't it seem interesting that while they have these characteristics, uh, and maybe there is even some way that we can see concern, that's a word we're going to use in animals as they're protecting their young or something like that. Think about what it says about humans and about animals. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Verse 28, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. I didn't do the full dig into it myself, but in this, the material that was prepared on this word, worry, the writer made mention that as if you look up the English word worry in your old King James or your newer English standard, that you will not find that word, worry. That doesn't mean the Bible doesn't address it, but it may mean the translators or in certain translations you may not find it as prevalent as you do in other versions because it may not be used. Again, I've already mentioned the word concern being one way in which we talk about worry but use a different word to explain it. Now, one thing we usually try to do in these word, these word studies I think I forgot to change my title, my slide there. I think that gospel was last month. But let's look at this word. This is the word for worry. Uh, marimna is uh, something like it's pronounced. When we do these word studies, we go back through sometimes the Old Testament Hebrew words and the New Testament Greek words. We're not exactly going to do that this afternoon because, for one, in the Old Testament, there's not a great study that we could do on this idea of worry. That doesn't mean that people didn't have worries, but it means that maybe it's addressed a little differently. When it comes to the New Testament, this is one of the main words that's used, but there are lots of variations of it. Uh, there are lots of ways that it's used in other things to talk about concern or to talk about to be anxious for or to care for, to be disturbed or troubled or to be anxious beforehand. See, once again, I don't have to explain in great detail the word worry. You know what it is, and you have felt it. Maybe even today, you felt worry about something. Maybe it was something very large that you were extremely worried about. Maybe it was something very small or anywhere in between. But we do understand this idea of being anxious for something or trying to care for something. If we look at the English word in our English dictionary, there's multiple definitions that we could use. Uh, to give way to anxiety or unease, to harass by pursuit and barking. That's kind of an interesting way to describe it. To harass with labor or to fatigue. All of these things go along with this idea of worry. To feel or express undue care and anxiety. That may be part of this as well for us. We're going to come back in just a moment and talk about bad worry and good worry, even from one passage of Scripture. But that is certainly part of it as well, that we sometimes are overwhelmed with bad worry. But when you say, I'm worried, it's not always a bad thing. It can be a good thing. All right, I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. But Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, is maybe the most famous text on worry. And there may be no set of verses that is shaped modern Christians thinking about worry than this particular passage right here. In this passage, the Lord points out, and notice as you may have opened there, still be open, we're in red letters, right? 
This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is a part of this great teaching of Jesus. But you notice in the text that the Lord points out that worry over temporal matters. What do we mean by temporal? Well, food, clothing. He says that worry over temporal matters is destructive. It's destructive. How do we know that? Let's go a little bit further. First of all, we see that worry is destructive because it is unhelpful. Unhelpful. You can't add one minute to your life. You cannot add one inch to your height by worrying over it or something. And I know you probably heard the preacher use the illustration and make the jokes before we'd all be 10 feet tall or we'd all be 300 years old if we could, right, when it comes to certain things. But we can't. We simply cannot add to our life or to our height by worrying. Yet, some people treat it as if we can, as if there's some race to be won or some medal to be won because they have worried enough. So it is not helpful. It's not going to help your health. It's also, number two here, unreasonable. Look at verse number 30 as you're writing in your outline or following along. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Worry often exaggerates our problems. It just makes problems seem bigger and bigger. To worry about something you can't change, some folks say, is useless. We're not able to do anything. It's unhelpful, as we mentioned just a moment ago. When I Think about that idea in verse number 30 of the grass, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. I even call back to what I said this morning about 10 years. I may mention that my father-in-law had preached that, that outline 10 years ago and to think about the way the world has changed. Have you ever driven through Soddy Daisy, Tennessee or through Chattanooga or some other town and you notice how much things change? There used to be a restaurant there. There used to be a store there. There used to be buildings there, and now they're gone. Something is there now, and it feels like tomorrow it's gone again because that's how fast things change. And when that is the case, then we realize that sometimes it is unreasonable to worry about these things that change so much. Next, it is, in fact, I think we can say unhealthy. The body is not made to worry. And let me add in with that there then, it is unnatural. It's unhealthy and it is unnatural. Jesus says, look at the lilies. They're beautiful. They're beautiful without worry. And so are we. We are beautiful when we can be without worry in that way. You know, when you worry, you get ulcers, backaches, headaches, insomnia. Our, our bodies are simply not made to worry. And there's an interesting thing that goes along with this idea of worry being destructive. If you go back, and not to the Hebrew or the Greek, but if you go back and do a word study through our English, even back to the old high German word, the word is W-Y-R-G-A-N. W-Y-R-G-A-N. Virgen, something along those lines. It goes back, it actually means to strangle or to choke. That's where our word worry comes from, and we have all felt that at various times. The only thing that worries in all God's creation is people, and we need to be aware of that. We need to think about that as we try to battle worry. See, I'm not here to tell you that we can do away with it, and we're going to talk in just a moment about how it's not even bad all the time, but it can be unhelpful. 
it can be unreasonable and it can be unhealthy for us and we need to keep that in mind because I think that while we struggle with it sometimes and and we do make concessions and things for people we also need to understand that God's word speaks against it that to the best of our ability we should strive not to because of the God that we serve and the life that we can live and the future hope that we have when we are faithful to God and when we are in Christ. All right, we talked about Matthew chapter 6. Let's go forward then to Philippians. We're going to talk about two passages from Philippians. The first one is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Paul here is going to present a beautiful solution to our worries. A beautiful solution to our worries. And just verses 4 through 7 here. First of all, we have the what. When Paul talks about the solution to our worries, how do we do that or or what should we do? We should rejoice and not worry. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. How many times do you think Paul needed to write it in order to really drive it home? Right, We kind of have the phrase, so nice, you say it twice, or, or something like that. You repeat it for emphasis' sake. You think Paul could have filled an entire chapter, an entire letter, rejoice in the Lord always, rejoice in the Lord always, over and over again. What do we need to do when we face the worries in our life? And I know they're vast, and they cover a vast multitude of things, from our health to our children to whatever it might be, our job or our finances, what we need to do is rejoice and strive not to worry. Secondly, let's think about the how. Well, how do we do that, Paul? Well, we need to think on good things. Skip down and look at verses 8 and 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, pure, lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you, will be with you. I maybe chided our parents and even our young people this morning about social media and trying to stay off of social media. But I think it's a good lesson for our adults, right, as well. The time that we sometimes get caught up in these things. What does it often do? Often just increases our worry about things. And I am all for being informed about the news and about the world around us. I think that Christians need to be informed on what's going on. I think we need to be involved in politics as much as we can be and and vote and that kind of thing. We need to be aware of what's going on in the world around us. But we do not need to be consumed by what's going on in the world around us. Social media can be very encouraging. It can be very uh, something that makes us feel good. I have given uh, Janice and and Ricky a hard time lately about their grandbabies, but it makes me happy to open up Facebook and see a picture of their grandbabies on Facebook. It makes me happy to see pictures of Bible camps that are going on and other things around us and people to share these good things that are happening. There's also some worry sometimes, and some of it's not even intentional. So again, don't think that I'm just bashing everything. But how often do we think on good things? And how often do we dwell on the difficult or the worrisome or the hard things? We need to be aware. We need to pray for each other. We need to know the situations. But how do we deal with our worry? 
How do we rejoice in the Lord? And again, I will say rejoice. We think on the good things that Paul mentions in verse number 8. Why? The final part of this particular section here is why. Verse number 7, so that God can bring peace into your life. We skipped over verse 6 for the purpose of our short outline here. But verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing. You may not have the word worry there, but you see anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Any God? Little g God? Any idol? No, the God of peace. And the peace of God, from the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have the answer. We have the help. We have the source. I know that at 1 o'clock in the morning when there are bills to be paid and there's money that is short and these things are way on us, it is hard, so hard, to get some rest and to try to put those aside. We wonder if we're going to have enough money or how we're going to get through these things. But we do serve the God of peace. He has offered that peace to us. And while life sometimes is up and down, it's roller coasters, he's going to be with us through all of that, and we need to rely on him. And that is a beautiful picture here from the Apostle Paul to those in Philippi. Now, while you're there, though, let's think about some good worry. Philippians chapter 2, this time beginning in verse 19 and going through verse 28. I think if you were to think about the book of Philippians, this is a section that you would commonly not mention. Well, why is that? Do you recall in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 5, down through about verse 11, we sometimes call it the Messiah poem or something along those lines, this great picture of what Jesus did? I know you know Philippians 4, where we just were. Also, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul discusses a situation that is going on and how worry can be good. In fact, in the material on this particular lesson, the writer says, maybe you could title your lesson, We Need to Worry More. If I had had that as a title, it probably would have got your attention. What do you mean we need to worry more? Where our common use of the word worry is really negative, right? That's, that's all I've done so far. Don't worry. Don't worry. That's a negative connotation. But have you ever heard someone say that he was worried or she was worried and it was a positive sign? That's not usually the case, right? But what if a person says, well, I'm worried about this test? Uh, maybe a, a student says it about school. Maybe you say it about a health test. I'm worried about this MRI. What about I'm worried about my children, as we discussed this morning? What about I'm worried about the condition of our country? Is that a negative kind of worry, or can that be a positive kind of worry that might be good? This is beautifully illustrated for us in Philippians 2, beginning in verse number 19. Here we see the positive and encouraging use of worry. The ESV, in verse number 20, and I don't know what version you have, but it, in verse number 20, the ESV translate this, translates this Greek word that we mentioned early, earlier as concern. And what happens in this beautiful section of Scripture is you have Paul, who is sending the uniquely caring person in Timothy. Timothy is, would, would be known as a uniquely caring person, person. And Paul sends him to the Philippians to make sure that they are doing well. 
So I know, try to catch this here. Maybe I should have drawn this out in a map kind of idea. Paul sends Timothy to Philippi so that he can encourage those people and he can make a report. And what happens is, is when Paul gets the report back from Timothy that they're doing well, that makes Paul feel good. Paul is worried or concerned in verse number 20 because look down at verse 25. We see a name that you may or may not be familiar with, Epaphroditus. They are concerned, or excuse me, Paul is concerned about them because their minister, Epaphroditus, is ill. He has been sick. And so the Philippians had sent Epaphroditus to Paul in prison to help him out, but while he was there, he got sick. So Paul, to help him out, excuse me, but Epaphroditus is more concerned about the fact that the Philippians are concerned for him than about his own illness. Have you ever known anybody like that? Well, don't worry about me. I, why are you so worried about me? I'm more worried about you. And what do we have? Have a big worry ring, right? Everybody's worried about somebody else. That's kind of what's going on here in a sense. And, and so Paul's worried about them. He gets a good report, though. He feels good. They're worried about Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus is more worried about them. The Philippians need to see that he is better, which in turn will cause Paul to be less anxious. It's a beautiful circle of four. Timothy, Epaphroditus, the church at Philippi, and Paul. And each one is trying to outdo the other with their concern, not about their own affairs, but about the other person. And it's kind of an interesting picture of good worry. You know, they're all concerned, and of course, there's no email, there's no text messages they can't find out fast. They're getting word that Epaphroditus is sick. He says, I'm worried that they're worried, and it seems like a bit much, but we can understand that maybe this is some kind of good worry. It's trying to help each other in a positive way. And I think that can be encouraging to us when we realize that concern, concern is not always a bad thing. One more passage from Scripture here, and it's found, of course, in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. You may not think right off the top of your head what's in this passage, but as you turn there, you'll know. Luke chapter 10 is, beginning in verse 38, is the story of Mary and Martha. And in verse 41, as there's this discussion of Martha being distracted and Mary and them going back and forth, in verse 41, Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Martha is not condemned in this sense for worrying, but instead is instructed to be more concerned about spiritual matters than the physical matters. That is, I think, sometimes where we get into trouble ourselves. We sometimes get into trouble when we worry more about the physical things than the spiritual things. It was one of the points this morning. We, we teach our children in life to be more concerned about their ACT score or their job or how much money they're going to make than about spiritual things. We leave the spiritual things undone. And yes, they may end up with a $200,000 a year paying job, but they never darken the doors of the church building because they put more emphasis on the material, the physical, than the spiritual. One way that we can teach our kids about putting the spiritual first is when it comes to worry. Not that we're not concerned, not that we're not making provisions for the future in some regard, but that we realize that we need to be more concerned about spiritual matters than the physical ones. 
One other quote that was used in this material is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And it says this way, of course, not biblical, but a good thought. Sorrow, sorrow looks back. Worry, worry looks around. And then the idea that faith, faith looks up, which, of course, is commonly what we think of when we think about you know, God and, and looking up in that regards. Sorrow looks back, worry looks around, and faith looks up. You know, we've touched on worry this afternoon. We've not even focused on other passages where Paul does talk about our focus. When he talks to those in the letter, in the Colossian letter, about set your mind on things above. Quit looking back. Don't look around. Focus on what is above, where Christ is. Look up. That's what our faith should be encouraging us to do. We don't have to go around the room and try to outworry each other. We don't have to go around the room and all try to go down the list of things that are concerning us in this moment. I may not have lived a, a full life by age in some regards, but I can guarantee you as much as you can guarantee me, we've all faced our share of concern and worry. What we need to do is turn to Scripture for some answers, try to rely upon God, try to focus on things that are above, and hopefully that helps minimize the struggles that we go through here. It's not an end-all, be-all in one sense, but it is something that should give us strength. When we're focused on heaven, when we're focused on Christ, there's, there's less time to worry about all those other things. That should be our goal and knowing that it's a hard struggle sometimes in this life. As we conclude this lesson and extend heaven's invitation, there may be something this afternoon that is worrying you. Maybe the greatest worry of all is you're here and you know you're not a Christian. You know that you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins so that the Lord can add you to his church. If you're here this afternoon and you've not done that, we will sing to encourage you. Because you know what? You can take that worry away by being gospel obedient, even this afternoon or as soon as possible. Maybe you're here and you've done that, but as a Christian, you're allowing worry to overtake the, the faith that you have, your trust in God. Even as we extend the invitation, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's some other public sin you'd like to come forward and make known in a public way. Maybe it's prayers that you would like of your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're just thankful for the chance to set aside any worry and to encourage one another, even now as we stand together and as we sing.